Hello and welcome to that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast. I'm Dan Greaves. I'm Martin Rooney. Our sports podcast is set to enlighten you into the world of elite sport. We visit current sporting topics, our past experiences in elite sport, and our favourite part of these podcasts is making and chatting to sports stars and hearing their fascinating stories. Uh, today we have a Paralympic legend, but can you guess who it is? That's right, it's Johnny Peacock. Rooney now kicks away. Commonwealth champion for discus dance. Rooney gets the goal. Medal at the last four Paralympic Games. Martin Rooney ran a great race in lane one. Great character. Well done, Dan Greaves. Oh, wow, you both got mics. I didn't even see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hidden away. Oh, yeah. I I do players down, but there's little things like that. I just said you, you, were, you were playing yourself, yeah, wearing little little headphones and you've got some massive mic literally just <laughs> <had a> shot. <laughs> and then that makes this look, yeah, if we're having a big mic contest, I've definitely lost. Johnny Peacock, it is great to have you on our past podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's a shame that we're not all sat in a room having this natter, isn't it? Due to a small thing called COVID that gets in the way. I know, I know, I think. I don't know about you guys, but I thought by now that at least some normality would have come back, but it seems to just be getting further and further away. Yeah, we could do with a, a little summer burger in the Curzon Arms, sitting in the garden there. Uh, I remember we did that once. That was like 30 degrees or something. We were just sitting there in the garden. It was That was a good day. Yeah, I remember you, you. that's when you got me the Monster Burger. Dan was going on about this for weeks, I think. It was some <laughs> famous burger, wasn't there, or something there. That's it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it, it killed me. I remember, yeah, I just remember being ruined that night. <laughs> so, yeah. we, we fed you up. You were well fed. That's all we can say. Yeah. You can't walk away from a dinner with us and not be well fed. <laughs> protein. Um, so then, obviously, we catch up at the track, but how... How have you been getting through the lockdowns? How, how have you been? Uh, yeah, really good, actually, for me. Um, the first lockdown hit at a really bad time for me personally. I was um, had a knee operation uh, in December 2019, so uh, over a year ago now. And I was basically at the point of my rehab where I was kind of starting to, to run again. And as you guys know, that's that really obviously specific part of your rehab that has to go right and if you mess that up it's it can be a very long process um so for me i couldn't run on grass i couldn't run on concrete i couldn't do the majority of plan b and c sessions that a lot of guys were doing you know Mm -hmm. because that would have just busted my knee and just challenged it far too much too soon uh so i was a little bit sneaky um and there was a, a little hole in the fence at Leicester's track so i might have i might have snuck uh, through that a couple of times uh, a week just to keep just to keep some load in the knee um yeah and then obviously uh, as elite athletes we've been really lucky to have the exemptions um pretty swiftly and obviously since then it hasn't really affected us too much i guess obviously other than the fact that there's a lot less faces around and it's a bit quieter i guess yeah um, is that the same? Because I know you obviously had a setback a little bit before that, and you had to have surgery. Is that the same knee? 
or is it different? Is it? Uh, so I, I originally had stuff on my ankle as my left ankle, the only or the only ankle I have. Uh, and um, yeah, I had a couple ops through that uh, back in 2012 and 13. Uh, and that's actually been, I remember actually, I still remember today uh, being sat in the doctor's office with Noel and he was like, oh, um, let's see if we can get you to Rio. And then after that, we'll have a discussion because my ankle was just in pieces. Um, but the magician that is Dan Path managed to get my mechanics in, in the right places, which was actually doing the harm, not the not the dodgy ankle. Uh, and since then, the ankle's been fine. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's the knee now that on the other side, my that, that went bust. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting situation. I've basically not got much cartilage there uh, yeah. underneath my patella. Uh, that's kind of where I take a lot of load and weight bear. Um, so it's kind of more than most people, I guess. I've probably got the knee of a 50 year old. Um, you, you like, because um, I know with myself, I, I try not to compensate on my good side to try and build my weak side up to match my good side but it inherently with disability and stuff it's bound to be there um is that what you're finding like that over time like the de like degradation of your, your good like obviously your good side um is really affecting like your, your um prosthetic side um to be honest with you i probably more worry about my prosthetic side um i think like I say, so far since kind of 13, I haven't really had any ankle problems. I feel like um, the issues there have been solved in terms of good mechanics. I feel like I've got mm -hmm. really good dorsiflexion now. So, you know, I'm in a good position to strike the floor. And I hope that that kind of helps with things like hopping around the house. I know that um, maybe this is just me subconsciously. When I'm 60, I'll be ruining this conversation and I'll have all kinds of issues uh, with my foot. <laughs> But yeah, for the time being, I'm not too worried about that. I'm actually more worried about my knee, um, the cartilage on that, uh, and actually my hip as well, because um, I've got a yeah. super hypermobile hip. And I think just the the way that obviously, uh, well, as you know, you use your joints is a little bit different. Yeah, I, I've always been curious, like, is what Dan said about compensating. I've, I've only had it to a small extent where my hip uh, when it gets stiff and blocked off, but then I can, it feels like the whole rest of my body's in the wrong place. Like, literally, I feel like I'm going like a banana, do you know, like that kind of shape when I'm walking around. So, yeah. is that, um, is that, is that to adapt to, or is it something that he just kind of took it in his stride? Sorry, I just lost you on that, yeah. that last bit. Oh, you lost me both. I was literally basically saying, I'm saying, do you think, like, is that saying that Dan Path, like, uh, took in his stride? Is that something he was prepared for? Or is that something that, like, uh, took a bit of time to, to get used to? No, I think um, you guys know Dan Path's a genius, uh, at least in my my opinion. I think uh, he's got so much knowledge. And he he's always at least said to me that he treats people with disabilities kind of how he just treats able-bodied guys with injuries. You know, he just looks at the system and he mm -hmm. just sees what is screaming out in that system. You know, okay. where in the body is looking really alien? You know, what do I need to fix? And he doesn't necessarily, you know, sometimes it might not even be actually at that point. So, for example, me and most people always think that it's, you should, all your focus should be on the leg and the prosthetic side. But there was a lot of issues with my kid's side that needed fixed, you know, because you have that habit of, yeah, wanting to focus on the big, I guess, visual thing, but somebody else who knows the human body and how it works see so many different things but yeah like you say you must you must feel the same thing <laughs> as you warm up yeah and like one thing's different 
do you think uh, Dan Paths like have you ever seen the Lego movie you know the one that everything is awesome yeah do you think he's like a master builder do you know what I mean <laughs> like where you can just like picture things and like right I'm just gonna put this here this here that because that's the kind of experience I've had of him he kind of just sees things a different way to um to, to most coaches I've worked with most I don't really think anybody thinks the way he's done it and I, uh, one of the things that Rayner always like praised uh, Dan for was like how he can analyze the body and it's one thing he always tried to improve upon and Dan was one of his mentors for it so is that saying that um is that something that drew you to him or is that just was that a bonus kind of thing um well I was actually um training out of Lee Valley uh, with a, my local coach at the time Hayley Ginn um going to Lee Valley I think twice a week uh so that was where Dan was based at the time so I kind of got to see him from afar um and uh my times that season started going quicker and quicker and it looked more likely that I could actually potentially do something in London uh so Peter and Paula decided to put me in touch with Dan um and see if he'd, he'd be willing and you know it was a no-brainer for me you know given that option you know and, and seeing what he'd done and seeing the way that he works I was so that was actually the first time I've ever, ever spoken to him though was when I had to go and ask him to yeah, if he was going to be my coach, so he was a scary man. But no, like you say, he does. He sees things so differently. Obviously, he he used to be a, a physics teacher and obviously at a university. So his ability to understand, I guess, forces, how they react, you know, equal and opposite, you know, things that I guess a normal standard coach, I guess, wouldn't quite have that. I don't know. I I always like. So when I speak about Dan and coaches, I always think that like coaches, to be a great coach, you have to have like 10 keys. You know, you have to have a good program. You have to have a good eye, the ability to speak to your athletes, the mental approach. You know, there's so many different things that it's required to be a good coach. You can't just have one thing. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like Dan kind of feels all of them. You know, he's got everything. He, he knows you know, Dan, Dan's been there. He's, he's lived with him, obviously, uh, when, he's, when he was in uh, the States. He's just got this way of just getting in your head. He's a, he's an incredible guy. Can you do a Dan Path impression? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was in the track. I don't know. <laughs> if he heard it, I don't know if he'd like it. So I don't know. <laughs> he might not Flattery. speak to me again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, don't know. I don't know. What's yours? Can you do one? Um... Do you know what? I haven't, I haven't heard him speak for a long time, so I'm at a disadvantage. So um, maybe it'll come back to me later on. Greasy, you must. You, 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 Greasy you, you lived with him for, for, for weeks, right? Months? For, uh, yeah, for eight, eight weeks, um, give or take. Uh, oh, I, 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 yeah, if he listens to it, I, I just... It, it, it's it's like, just raspy, isn't it? It talks really low and like, um, yeah, to be honest, like, I'm not going to embarrass myself with it. <laughs> If I drop into it later on, though, I'm sorry. It'll come back to me, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> Just drop into the damn path out of nowhere. Yeah, Look yeah. forward to it. Um, so with the long-distance relationship you've got with Dan and, and everything and um, lockdown that's been going on, like what, lot, what adaptions have you made to training like to kind of cope with like, COVID situations, and especially lockdown? Um, I think, well... I built a platform in my in my back garden uh, so I could lift, uh, do the Olympic lifts and stuff without absolutely tearing apart the floor. Otherwise, I don't think Sally would be too, too happy if I completely ruined the garden. Um, yeah, so that's about it, to be honest with you. I think, you know, Dan's always been just, just, 
deal with what comes to you and there's a plan B for it if, if you need a plan B. Yeah. And so far, I think we've been incredibly lucky, I think, with, with what British Athletics have managed to obviously sort out for us in that I haven't had to go to plan B too often. You know, I've managed to stay pretty close to plan A throughout the majority of this of this lockdown. I don't know if it's been similar for you guys. Like, I don't know, I think maybe just the first couple of months that was tricky, right? Yeah, like from March, I think, wasn't it? That was like the, when we didn't, it was just the unknown where you just came and behave and just driving, driving to go and throw um, off the rugby pitches, patio, and there just wasn't a car on the road where now it's like lockdown four. And there's like traffic going into Loughborough and all, <laughs> and all sorts. So obviously we've got a bit more used to it now, and the parameters have changed. But um, but yeah, it's like it's quite quite scary and quite different um, for everybody. Um, and not a gym bar in sight as well. They just went like hotcakes, didn't they? <laughs> no, yeah, that's it. I, I uh, yeah, that's it. People that's are making it. a lot of money on eBay. There's yeah. some opportunists out there, I think. <laughs> that everyone everyone would like to get their hands on. You know, I was tempted to sell the one I got from British Athletics and be like, sorry, MJ, um, my garage got robbed and um, I'm not driving a new car or anything. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> you could have sold it, though, and then just waited a couple of months till the other one was back in stock because you would have made like double your money or something. Oh, it was so, huge yeah. money, wasn't it? It was huge. It was silly. But um, it's all good. We're out of it. We're out into some kind of normality. We're obviously all able to go train at um, the high pack at Loughborough. Um but you, you train on your own anyway. Like, this is something I'm so confused about because I <laughs> like we've all tried it, right? So Dan, you've tried it. You've done a lot of stuff. So uh, not social distance. You've just done long distance stuff. Yeah. I trained on my own. I, I was rubbish, ruined everything. Uh, but you seem to be just keep going. You, you're able to do it. How do you how do you stay in the mindset of like oh, as a coach watching me, or is that something you just don't need? Uh... <laughs> Um, it's it's me. I think I take up that own role, like in that sense. I uh, Dan from day one kind of got me hooked in mechanics uh, of sprinting, of of everything that kind of goes into it. You know, he sends me studies that I try and get my head into if I can attempt to understand it. Um, and it's just for me, it's like a perfectionist thing. So every day that I'm at the track, it's like now, like today, when I'm watching video, all I want to do is be at the track tomorrow so that I can fix things. It's like I'm just seeing constant things that need fixing. Mm -hmm. So I want to fix them. And it's just, I don't know, it's that drive. It's the thing that probably annoys everyone about me. <laughs> it's just like the drive for perfection. And it's like it's never good enough. It's never nothing's ever good enough, I feel like. And it's like I always want better. And I feel like that's that's what gets me there again it's always easier though when someone else is there obviously like Chris Clark obviously turns up every now and again and that's good fun <laughs> obviously we all know what character he's like uh and he always brings great energy it's easy to train when he's there but you know there's there's hard days and there's easy days it's like anything though I'm sure like you guys feel it even with, with a group there's sometimes there's there's days that it's really hard to, to actually pick yourself up and get get started there's those days where you like you teammates and you you group and stuff are training really well and you're you're in that bad place of nothing's going right and like, it does piss you off a little bit <laughs> you like what, what you know what why am i why am i stuck in this rut and these things aren't going right whether it be technically or you keep getting little niggles um and things like that so i know from my perspective when i trained with john obviously in arizona and then we did like long distance in in love bros it, it was cool but then taking it up on myself yeah, I didn't know how, how, 
do you do you have live sessions with, with Dan or how do, how does it work? Do you just send videos and then he gives you analysis and uh... yeah, I mean it kind of varies. So like the last uh, I think for about two and a half years, um, Michael Kamel was helping me out and obviously I had a bit of a group going on. Uh, Joel Fearon and stuff obviously was around um, and and that was pretty good. Uh, but then that kind of started to dwindle. Uh, and it's only really been this last year that I've probably been solely on my own. Um, but it kind of changes. So throughout the first lockdown, when we were, didn't have access to Loughborough, I was able to do some live sessions with Dan uh, because I could go to the track that late. Um, but since then, obviously, we're not really allowed on the track past 1 p.m. or it's a bit more difficult. And yeah. then like my training also is ramped up a little bit more so having to push the weights to the next day doesn't really work as well so there's there's multiple reasons so now we kind of um chat once a week and i send him videos and we kind of just go through things and we kind of look at big picture stuff so i guess whereas live sessions you're looking at obviously instant feedback and and kind of small subtle changes we kind of look at the big big rocks and that's my challenge i guess to try and fix those big rocks by the next week you're easy smiling because you can hear dan path with the big rock (laughs) if you just dropped into the voice i'd have been straight in with dan we gotta get ready i can't even do it i can't can't do it (laughs) the big rocks we gotta break these big rocks down every strike gets faster (laughs) <laughs> there we go that's it. That's it. <laughs> i like it a lot no dan uh i'm a big f- is dan in texas now yeah yeah he's, he's, he's uh, is, how's his health um oh, I, don't, I don't know if i should probably speak too much about that okay but, right, um, right. Uh, yeah, i think he's he's well enough i think you know dan he's he's the guy that will will give everything is like mm-hmm. to the sport and to everyone else than himself you know i remember watching him in 2012 uh it was the first in, in in Lee Valley and he was always the last out and just before he'd leave he'd, he'd always go and do a couple laps around the track but just before you'd see him like crunching almost in his hands and his hips and you'd always think what he was doing and then Goldie says told me once he had like two hernias that he needed operating on for like three years but he just refused to because he always said he didn't have time so it wasn't until post London 2012 he, he waited like three years for the Olympics to turn up him to finally go you know what okay now i'll sort myself out and get these these hernias fixed he's just that guy you know he's just mm-hmm. such a selfless selfless guy that wants to to help others yeah does can he dance <laughs> oh god <laughs> where are we going now <laughs> i'll tell you what he can barbecue though jesus that guy can cook can he yeah he yeah when we were there it was amazing like he was just like barbecuing every night in the, in the yard and stuff he's um Throw down. You'll be at a barbecue if you're from Texas, right? That's it. Deliver it all the way across. (laughs) Could you imagine me in Lee Valley just getting a massive barbecue on the go and getting like all the athletes involved? That'd have been quite cool. Post 2012. Bum. So many stories too. He's great for stories. He's that guy that you know you could just you you guys yeah. You should, you should definitely just see if you could chat to him. Like, I feel like you just have hours though. Like, I'd be like, damn, we need like 10 hours to just chat. Tell me all your stories. Everybody's like, I've had two plane crashes. <laughs> like all this like just goes on about all the things that's happened. It's just crazy. He's lived he's lived a crazy life, I think, yeah. as well. Yeah. So you're telling me about the time he um used to train hop from city to city. That was a pretty crazy story. 
What's this? Just jump on trains and just go to a random destination. Come back again. Yeah. Just to go and visit visit new places and go and explore and like it's just a bit of a free spirit. That's inspirational, that. that's like something you'd love to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I want to talk to you about Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, I thought we'd managed to move on. <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't dodging it. I'm going in because it's it's a huge thing in the UK, obviously, to go on the show. Um, but I've got to ask, like, what was it like from you competing as an individual doing the 100 metres to going, right, I'm in a partnership now. And how did I, how did that dynamic change for you? Oh, I mean, it was a completely different thing. I think that's like, I've always tried to op- go into new opportunities and new things with a really open mind and not expecting anything. So I think it was strictly all I was expecting. Well, it was just fear. There was just constant fear there. So OT was just kind of my savior. She was the person that you'd latch onto to be like, you're the only person who can save me here. So <laughs> just, just tell me what to do. You know, you you are the boss. You are absolutely the boss. And uh, yeah, let's let's do this. And um, it was yeah, it was it was it was an amazing experience. And but it was, it was incredibly scary. Yeah. Is it, is there transferable skills back to athletics? Uh, uh, yeah, I, actually, I think so to a point. I think the body awareness that I got through through it was was pretty crazy. I think um, balance, you know, even. Um, I think, yeah, just being, I guess, a bit more aware of every part of my body. Because I guess in, well, you guys know, like, for what you do, you're always aware of certain limbs and certain joints and certain things. But, you know, I wasn't kind of, well, I guess, yeah, I'm never trying to do figures of apes with my hips, though, in sprinting. (laughs) (laughs) If I did, I'd definitely be told off. Yeah. I want to see uh, it. I want to see it on the start line. (laughs) Next competition. (laughs) Whatever that might be, ever. Forget the mobile. It's Johnny's figure of eight with the hips. Oh, God. No, that's not something I had. That was just I was always told for my, told off for my bum being out. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, like, there's loads of transferable things in dancing, like posture, um, core, the whole lot. But I, I mean, I loved it. I think what you did. Um, I know you hate the term disabled person, but someone with a disability that's been to the top level in their sport showing that it had no bearing on your, you know, your natural ability to dance and the fact that you openly admitted, look, you know, vote me off. I'm a rubbish dancer. Like my disability shouldn't even come into it. I don't want to be kept on this show. And, and, you know, your personality and everything else and the, positive Johnny that we know which was it was just amazing to show that even though you feared it you again took on the challenge and um wanted to do it to the you know your utmost best performance and prove to you know prove to everybody that it shouldn't hold you back um what kind of response did you get like from the like disability community afterwards uh that's really nice Uh, I mean I think I (sighs) hope everything I think it was kind of all kinds of different reactions from different people and I think that was really what I hoped for and you kind of hit the nail on the head there like that's really the entire reason that I suggested strictly you know because it's another something I probably ever saw myself doing because I I can't dance I'm the last person to dance and (laughs) it's like you've got to be many beers deep to get on the dance floor but for what the reason that you just said was the reason that I did it is it's the fact that I wanted to go and show people a different side of disability that I feel 
than what I feel is constantly seen. And that's when you see somebody with a disability is that's what's talked about. That's all that's talked about. And that's all you see. And that's all that's focused on. And for me, I wanted to go on there and, and yeah, show people that I was a crap dancer and that they needed to vote me off. And that I, they weren't to get me to the final because I was inspirational or because I was, you know, that that whole inspiration porn side of things. It's it's I wanted to just show people that stop judging people you know just just it is what it is you know don't 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 think that I can't lift somebody you know I remember the, the doctor actually did that for the um the physical that was it just as I was leaving he's got oh, one more thing he was are you gonna be okay like with the lifts and stuff and he said oh well I do like low box step up where you step up onto something with like 220 kilos on my back so I think I should be okay <laughs> yeah. lifting her. Oh, oh, okay I feel like and it's just that yeah. preconceived it's like that conception yeah that you believe somebody's not able to do something I just wanted to go on yeah, yeah change that but then also have the blade out some weeks and show the kids that you know it's cool and it's it's important to be you are like who you are and and that you can look really cool oh uh, look I guess kind of cool <laughs> with a blade out and and dancing um and yeah the amount of videos of like kids and stuff that you see like going going for it is was pretty cool so I hope uh I hope yeah I hope that it gave it gave people I guess that yeah, it's about um, slowly unwrapping that bubble wrap that people think we need, isn't it? It's uh, exactly it's in, it's endearing, but then in the same breath can be perceived as patronising, which you don't want. Um, it's but just then, normal, isn't it? It's like you just like it's the same with everything. It's just the quality. I say this with Sally all the time when we talk about things. It's just it's like I just think that you, the world should just be mm. everything's everything. Everyone's treated equally and just for who they are, and you are as nothing. It's just no judging, is it? I guess like just no no yeah. fakeness would be yeah. nice. And nothing should like really hold you back. Um, I think like linking that in, obviously you being on the television and having your blade out and doing flick kicks and cha cha chas everywhere and and providing entertainment for us athletes that know you and <laughs> inspiration for many people. Um, growing up um, with with obviously um, an amputation, like what? exposure did you have to disability sport and kind of like how did you and when did you kind of first see disabled sport and have access to it um yeah I mean I didn't to be fair uh didn't see it didn't really have any real exposure to it um Oscar Pistorius was the first the first disabled uh, athlete I think I ever saw I remember and it was completely by by chance I think he was in a diamond league uh it was raining uh, it was like oh like I think it was golden gala back then um and I was just flicking through the channels um wasn't even doing Sheffield athletics. was it was that was that what it was yeah, it was, I was, it was next year. were you <laughs> yeah that was yeah that was the it was a golden league golden uh league. it was yeah so I just like remember that, it pouring it down right yeah, it, was it was absolutely horrific he was That's skidding around the bends he couldn't get around the bend because it was too wet <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I went past him like really easy at the start and I could see he was just slipping and sliding I was like bloody hell he's gonna and then I was like I can't wait for him <laughs> in my head I was already like I was thinking about oh, what if he falls over and I was like no shit I've got a race <laughs> how did you run uh not great not great <laughs> the weather let's blame the weather yeah everyone I beat Warner only because Warner didn't he pulled up after five meetings but other than that like yeah it was uh so that Oscar, sorry, he got you into it. Oh, no, yeah, um, yeah, I saw him from that race, but 
even at that point, I didn't. Um, we didn't still know too much about disabled sports and I think I remember I tried to get into disability football once when I was a kid but it was um it was for people with I think down syndrome and obviously mental um disabilities and yeah I, I kind of didn't feel well as much as probably my mum thought I fit in I I didn't uh <laughs> didn't quite fit in uh as I thought so um yeah, uh, it well, probably wasn't until um, I went to a talent ID uh, down in 2009, ran by uh, the BPA, um, and I got to try a bunch of sports out, where wheelchair tennis, pistol shooting, um, archery. Uh, they were, the line for cycling was so long, uh, I couldn't be bothered to wait. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I went and did uh, athletics as well, um, and did like three run-throughs, because I wasn't happy with my first run, uh, even, even back then. Um, yeah, and then things kind of snowballed from there but I didn't even really yeah I guess that was kind of when I started to really realize the Paralympics and stuff and my mum put Beijing on um and I remember seeing a few races in Beijing but um I wasn't aware probably yeah it wasn't like, crazy obvious to me growing up you didn't have that oh that could be me in four years time moment, or was it just a natural progression of just trying to find some information of where you could do do sport and and get involved yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I had a computer in my room and I was just, yeah, Googling like crazy for kind of everything, but nothing really turned up. I think we're really lucky today. You know, there's so much out there. Um, I think obviously now, now I think there's a website, Parasport. Obviously, BPA do a great website where you can just put your postcode in and it shows you everything that's around. Um, so obviously, there's so much more than we had. Uh, so... Which is obviously what you want, and that's that's great. So that just, I think that for me also as well, kind of sometimes gives you a little prod in the back that kind of reminds you that stuff is kind of the legacy of 2012 and stuff. People always ask that question, and it's just that stuff like that is, it's like it's reminded people, you know, it, it brought the Paralympics. I feel like to the forefront, and and everyone was in a good mood and stuff. So, was um, that point? Oh, sorry, in the UK. Well, no, no, I was just, I just wanted to say one of the. The, the legacy of 2012 is obviously like a, um, a, a moment between you two in 2012 that always sticks in my mind. It always kind of jumps out to me where you're like literally screaming at each other after your race. Yeah. Like, well, how many expletives were in that like bit there? Was it was it was it clean? <laughs> I I don't know about you, Dan, but I just remember crossing the lines like locking eyes, like like you know like like you do across the dance floor. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Uh, but I just saw it and I was just like, room. yeah, <laughs> I was going to, I think I started to write and I was like, oh no, don't, because like, you're literally in the middle of a competition, what are you doing? You can't like go and say, but you were like buzzing, you were like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, let's, uh, you were, oh, come on, like, it was just, yeah, I think it was just, uh, it was just a moment of a yeah. lot of emotions coming out, I think, uh, in a split second. Was, oh, uh, definitely, like, I think, um, I think that was like one of my... I obviously said that another one of my favourite memories is obviously being in the middle of the stadium there, as we are in the middle, and being able to see the where do the 800 was just incredible. But mate, like to be honest, yeah, like watching your hundreds and then being able to celebrate with you was like ultimate fanboy. Like you know, <laughs> I was like the biggest sports fan, and even though I was concentrating on doing my own thing. But I think what helped me to do so well was just watching you guys perform. And it just took that level of pressure off me because I just 
was enjoying the moment so much and I'm so glad that I wasn't just singly focused on my event and yeah um I think we'll get into 2012 a bit more detail because mm. <laughs> um um yeah it was something it was that was just absolutely so special um but going back to like your first kind of instance in the Paralympic sport when did you was when was the moment you kind of got your prosthetic leg and and did it how did it affect your your running and your walking did you was it quite a smooth transition going from like a day leg to a having a um, prosthetic blade um i mean to a point i guess i, I, I don't know how how smooth anything is in that situation because uh, it's obviously such a different thing um but i get i don't know like obviously yeah i started running on my day leg my current one that i'm on at the moment um basically just one that wouldn't break um and i think i managed to get to 12 no what did I get? 12 2 maybe um i was like my times have just kept snowballing it was like 13 2 12 8 12 5 12 2 and i remember i um Hayley, my coach at the time had spoken to uh, some guys at Ottobock who kindly agreed to, to let me try one of their legs out um and yeah i think i got it in that was like the last race of the season i think so that would have been like august um i think i probably got it about winter so i was able to train on it all through the winter um and then i opened up and uh, I ran like 11.8. So in like in my if you like graphed my progression over time and like time taken off, it wasn't like a crazy leap um, in terms of like because that's what I thought it would be. I thought like, I'd get it and I'd suddenly run like you know like a second quicker or something like huge. Um, but it was it was yeah it was more the flow. I think that's what I always used to like to say. It's like the acceleration wasn't crazy different. Um, it was kind of 20 onwards. It was the, the ability that you weren't constantly getting. A shock absorber on every every step you know that's that's what your your achilles and your, your muscles and your structures and your joints learn to do is they they obviously return a bit of energy they hold that energy and they they, they return it back whereas my day leg would just absorb all that energy and i would have to then try and push again every step whereas the blade obviously finally started to mimic a bit more of a a natural running pattern so it would actually absorb some and actually give it back so it just made life a lot easier i guess over the longer distance training sessions um and i think well it was obviously yeah i think it was a bit faster but yeah it was it was a lot of fun i just remember it was like it's like kind of going off like the trampoline onto the grass i think that's how i, I used to describe it the difference it's like you know when you're jumping on the trampoline and then you mm -hmm. jump onto the grass and it's like so solid yeah. it was like that's like the difference between going from a blade to like a day leg it was like you got that nice spring and then suddenly it's like you've got nothing back you're not allowed to say spring <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it is that's the spring though that's the thing people always forget it's like because they always i remember the question that you get and you must have like yeah obviously no it's always oh what's like what's new so like they that the, what's new with the blades like they, they they just got like a new one out. it's like there's literally nothing's really changed it's always been a piece of carbon fiber mm. that returns about 80 percent energy yeah and it's 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 pretty much the same thing have that it's a, always been. So have you got a jet engine on the bottom? Yeah, literally. <laughs> so I don't know what you think has gone forward in, in, in carbon technology, but they haven't got like little nano things inside, like just pushing it. I don't even know. So a flubber on the bottom and it just yeah. bounces off. <laughs> little, min yeah. little minions in there with like hydraulic pumps. <laughs> Obviously, I guess, yeah, you can. You can make them longer, can't you? So I don't know. That's, that's, a, different, yeah, that's a different one, though. So... But that's um that's another conversation for another day about 
extended. But he was in your race and he was struggling to stand up, wasn't he? So it was, uh, Who is quite, that? Quite the talk, talking one. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. It's the first time I remember seeing He's gone it. now, isn't he? No, uh, um, no, he's still around. Kind of. Is he? Um, no, I, I'm not sure. I think I don't. He doesn't seem to compete as much. Okay. Or, or I, maybe he just competes in the small ones. But yeah, he um made some decisions. I think after his races in 2013, which led him to not being so fast in 2016. So. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's all sorts of scandals in. Okay, um, we're not going to put you on the knife there. <laughs> <laughs> Throw you under the bus. There you go, son. <laughs> oh, no, it's just, yeah, it's just people. You know, it's, it's, it was just, he just ran, he ran so fast, and I just think that he thought it was easy. He thought he was always mm. going to run so fast, he didn't have to train anymore, so he stopped training. Like, that's what I meant. Like, he just he just made bad decisions. He just suddenly he started got, resting on his laurels. He got quite heavy, I think. Was, uh, <laughs> well, I saw, last time I saw him, he was um, probably twice the size I saw him in London, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know if you can perform at any level when you're it's just not like, training hard. Yeah, it's just, I think that's sometimes it's that just it's just the intensity, isn't it? Like, mm. but that's just that mental thing that is 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 the life of an athlete, isn't it? It's just always keeping your head on the game, always thinking about the next one, isn't it? Like, there's so many athletes that just do it and then they think they've made it. Well, that's what you see when you look at your record. It's usually gold medal, gold medal, gold medal, gold medal. It's not like you don't mess about, do you? <laughs> I feel like, lucky. Right place. No, right. it can't be luck. It's got to be down like to pure performance and stuff. Like even like uh, you've uh, was it 2016 where there was like a bit of a thing about our selection and stuff like that going into it. I know we've probably jumped a bit here, but like you always just find a way of getting yourself ready and performing at the top level, and you yeah. are just a serial winner. Like it's that's not luck. That's that's you. <laughs> yeah, we 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 cut it close. I think yeah, 16 wasn't. Well, 16 was just, I just had a few bad years in, uh, in yeah. previously, you know, I'd, I'd just gotten slower and slower, you know, I was gone from, I'd, I'd progressed from, with my old coach, you know, like 11, 8, 11, 5, 11, 2, no, sorry, 11, 47, I moved to Dan and I ran 10, that's yeah. crazy progression. The next year I ran 10, you know, the next year I ran 10.9, the next year I ran 10.9, I was just like, why am I suddenly stopped progressing? So it was literally, it was just, we tried a new program, obviously, it was just one of those things, as an athlete, you experiment, you try things, and it's just what works for some people doesn't necessarily work for you, and it, it was too close to Rio, so we went back to Dan, and yeah, the program worked. Within three months, I ran 10.6. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, it was just, it was... I just Dan I feel like yeah Dan's Dan again it will come back to Dan but I feel like yeah I was, I was given a very good coach from the day one and he's got me in good shape and yeah obviously with the help of a lot of people on the way as well but I think um like being so on the, the subject of Rio obviously after 2012 um we can go into that a little bit later on but um yeah for me like how did you obviously go in I saw you in your first international in 2011 in um, New Zealand and then like the start progression then to becoming Paralympic champion. How did then you kind of manage expectations upon yourself and having a target, more like having a target on your back now in between those four years, going from, you know, young upstart, then you were thrust into the limelight as, 
you know, um, the poster boy of Paralympic sport. And yeah, it'd just be really interesting to know how you manage the expectations of both the sport and yourself. Um, and I, I always like just try and take pressure off myself. Like, so before 2012, I remember I always like, like before my races, I do like a, a losing interview almost. Like I kind of like in my head, I'm like, oh, if I lose, like, what am I going to say? Right, and I'm like, oh, like, so I remember in 2012, I was like, okay, if I lose, I'll just say, because I'd, I'd run the world record before, like I should have won. I knew that like logically speaking, I should have won the race, but it was just obviously if I was going to do it on the date. So I was like, if I mess it up, I'll just say it's, it's my first games, guys. Like obviously I'll, I'll learn from this and, and hopefully we'll go on from then. And like, so in my head, I kind of just, I don't know, I just didn't feel like it was expected of me almost. It was just like, okay, just just have fun, just enjoy it, just do it. And then... Oh, thank fuck you didn't have to say that. That was a shit speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what everyone used to say, going, they were like, ah, oh, because like, I remember like reading some stories because like, I had broke the world record, but like, and they were like, oh, you might, but then they were like, oh, he's, he's young though, and you know, it's his first mm. game. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> and then... Um, I'll bank then, that, yeah. just in case. <laughs> yeah it was great um yeah and then 2016 um I'd actually was kind of well not like I don't know if it's lucky time things timed up well again we had the anniversary games race uh, which was the last race before uh Rio yeah and Jared Wallace came over by American he had a great season that year he'd run sub 11 every single race um I think he'd run 1070 maybe and um I had moved house two days previous to this uh it was so obviously the the, the kind of system that i normally do is the day before a race i do a warm-up and the day before that is a complete day off um in my complete day off i don't know why i just went into a spare room and i started packing boxes um because we were moving and i ended up packing boxes for like eight hours straight didn't eat anything basically spent my whole rest day just not resting uh yeah missed it was was i just felt like absolute death i remember just i think i just obviously didn't rest killed myself jared beat me um by like like a tiny bit um i remember i remember as well i tried to have some neuron with neuron with coke do you guys remember neuron oh, wow. I do remember neuron. Yeah, yeah and it's like fizzy and i tried to i remember i needed to have some before i because i was so sleepy and drowsy like i needed to wake myself up and then like i couldn't find it there's no drinker so the only thing i had was a coke and i remember like they both kind of created like the mento effect in my <laughs> belly I was about to say. Like, yeah literally because i just swallowed it because it's like neuron you just try and get it down you so this is happening in my belly just before call up and i remember hearing them call up and i'm trying to like be sick like gas just yeah. before the race it's just massive like, belch yeah. yeah i was sitting in the cool room just with my belly just so bloated yeah <laughs> feeling awful yeah it basically just but jared beat me in the race so i always said in my interviews going into real like oh well jared beat me so it's his race to lose kind of thing you know mm. he's the guy that should be winning this even though in my head i knew that that wasn't me on my best day at all and that i had a lot more to give so yeah like uh my um my lasting memory was sitting in in our apartment watching your heat and you I don't know whether it was showboating or whether you're just that confident you're in great shape. You can you can say to whether it's the former or latter, but um, yeah, just looking across like there was nothing nothing around you, no one was going to touch you, and you ran a scintillating time in the heat, and it was just yeah, like it was 17. amazing. Yeah, was yeah. It uh, no, so twenty seventeen that was yeah the World Championships. Oh no, uh, in Rio. Was it in Rio? Wait, did I? In Rio, I can remember in your heats. 
Um, I? I can't even remember you, now. You should, you should, you should, should win too many championships to remember these. Things. No, sorry. Oh, okay. Because I remember the obvious one is I really turned because I turned. There's a picture of me turning in my heat in 2017. I thought that's what was it? London. Um, yeah, but I don't remember in 16 yeah. heat. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I think I ran pretty. Yeah, I ran a 10-7. I yeah, think. you ran. Yeah. I remember you ran really fast. I did my hammy that race. <laughs> and yeah, and, and we were just we were just like. Shit, he's in really good form. Yeah, <laughs> he's ready. He's ready to go, and he was like, just shut it down about about doing about seventy, shut down thirty to go, looking around like this, and then you run like ten seven. I'm like, Jesus, if if you'd actually powered through the line, what would you run? Like, that's you, that's when I run my best times though, because yeah, um, but that's always the game plan of the games. Like, if as long as you look at who we've got in the heat, and if like I've been relatively lucky so far, um, to a point that I haven't had so. That was in 2017 was the first time when I had Johannes Flaws in my heat. That I had a really serious rival in my heat. So every time before that, to a point, it's always the game plan's always been hit it to 60, see where you're at. Um, and then just kind of maintain from that point because you don't want to obviously blow blow everything. Um, in that, in that, yeah, in 2016, I think I actually obviously ran too quick because I remember cramping up my hamstring that night. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think obviously like lightly did something or what, but I remember I was in an ice bath on the balcony of that Rio uh, hotel with like I'd been acupuncture needles in there all night, um, thinking it was going to go the next day. Yeah, so yeah, um, but it held you on. So. Yeah, you it's survived and you won on one again. Next day was ten, ten eight. Yeah, I don't think that's why it wasn't as good because I think yeah the hammy was kind of like I was really quite aware of it that day, so just didn't didn't run too good. So yeah, it's, it's not about uh, the time when you're in the finals. Yeah, like yeah, crossing the line first. Who really cares what time you run? <laughs> yeah, only the perfectionist Johnny Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that is it. Like I don't know. I always like even after those races, like I'm always dissecting them. You know, mm. I'm looking back like like that, that's the first thing I think I did actually after Rio. I remember, I remember going back to my room and like just trying to get a video to send to Dan to be like, what what, what did you think? How was it? Like you know, like <laughs> what do I need to do better? Like and I obviously I did this, I did this. Like so yeah, it's um I don't know. It's I've been been really lucky I guess so far too. Um in that I guess I've been in the right shape at the right time. And I guess again, just down to the right guidance. So, no, I think it's obviously there's a lot about guidance, but it's also about like you as a human, like being, you know, when you need to perform at the top of your of your game, and it is it's at championships. It's a skill that you've obviously either you're born with or you you've developed yourself through your career, um, and that's probably why you kept uh, you you're playing it down on Strictly, but it's probably why you stayed in because you were like, well, I'm good at this. I'm good at performing when I need to perform well and. I don't think it was just about people trying to keep you in for the publicity or whatever. Like that. It was, it was definitely, my mum was uh, always updating me going like, actually he was good today. Or he was good <laughs> well. like, my mum's a huge fan of, 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 um, of uh, Strictly Come Dancing. And um, yeah, she was uh, basically filling me on on how you were doing at the time. And I remember like, it wasn't, I think she, she was uh, kind of felt that at the start that there would be a lot of like sympathy kind of votes. My mum works a lot in disability and stuff, and she was like yeah. worried it was going to be that. And then she was like, actually, as it kept going, she was like, actually, no, he's he's better than these guys, so he's in. So yeah, so I remember. Don't play uh, yourself down too much. <laughs> <laughs> I remember actually, there was a week. So like, there's just this one thing that like, 
I guess yeah, like there was that time in Strictly that I got stopped um, by a producer coming off of a of a show, um, and they went to me, "Oh, like I'm good friends with so and somebody," and like every time that your legs out, your votes go through the roof. Uh, they were like, and the last few weeks I hadn't had my leg out. So they were like, and you're they were because and I've been in the dance off. Basically, it was like hinting at, oh, if you get your leg out, you know, you'll stay on the show, kind of thing. And it was just that situation of no, like put it away. It's the right time to go, like now, because <laughs> like, yeah, I I was okay. At, I guess I felt like in my head I was, I, I guess I could remember dance moves better than certain people. Uh, so like I was like, but then definitely at Blackpool it was like no 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 my time my time so, like yeah it was it wasn't about trying anything you can do to just yeah wangle that that kind of extra I couple think. of votes but I don't know like strictly especially the first day it was completely different like I don't feel like I could perform under pressure at all there like, like yeah it was, I remember um it was, it's so weird because I don't know about you guys but like when I'm on the start line at champs I always just feel ready like I never feel nervous I, I the bigger the champs almost like the less nervous I feel because so, I just feel ready. I just stand. It's like right. It's like you're almost like it's just it's like game time now. It's like you're not Big almost. Big energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's just you're sitting there going, just pumped up, pumped up, ready for it. Feels, whereas, is it something you know? Whereas, strictly, obviously, is so left field and just something that I like to say. Yeah. We have to be a few jars deep to get on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah so that situation yeah that it wasn't it was almost like a complete different set of skills I was just like trying to just hold everything together as much as possible it was like like there was just tape constantly holding up like plugging holes when you're on Strictly yeah <laughs> whereas like when you stand on the, the start line I guess for champs and stuff you feel like the finished the finished article ready to go and I think uh, what I'd yeah like what I'd like to know is you know did it feel the same as in the Obviously, when we compete and stuff, the TVs are there, and you kind of don't see them, do you? You just you're in the zone, and everything else. Was it the same, or did you think, shit, there's literally millions and millions of people going to be watching me, and brick it? Where like, let's take London 2012, we walked out, eighty thousand people were just going absolutely nuts, millions and millions of people, you know, watching globally. Yeah, you'd be as cool as a cucumber, and probably not as nervous as walking down the Strictly steps ready to, to to absolutely nail a Saturday night on BBC One. Yeah, it's also different, isn't it? Like, that's the thing. And I think that, like, I don't know, I think, first of all, like, you could probably put a camera, in, like, me in front of a camera and say there's 50 million people watching and I'd be okay. Mm. But if you put 100 people in a room yeah and then said right go and do the same thing i'd i'd be stuck i'd be like you know i wouldn't know what to do with myself because like in my head there would be nobody watching if yeah. even in through that camera and it's just me and the cameraman almost and it's just you're doing that whereas when it's there they're there because that was strictly to a point and it's like they all felt like they were on you even though there was only a couple of hundred people obviously but it all felt like they were on top of you and it was like everyone's watching if you mess up everyone's gonna laugh and it's just like you know all that but I think again like London was like I remember like because I was on so late and like, you you must have like got the same like buzz from everyone that everyone just had good news everyone just came off like the crowd's energy is just incredible like it was never a negative thing it was never like oh that was scary it was just that the support they gave you was incredible like because obviously I guess there's athletics guys so you don't get too many opportunities to get 80,000 people <laughs> screaming you on so 
it's uh it's 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 a different energy and a different buzz that was just so fun and you gonna, must have felt that i was gonna dip in and to say like yeah what what was your overriding memory obviously your first paralympic games um you know it, it's your first games is special at the best of times but like to have a home games and everything else like like we all know you super chilled out guy super cool guy like what yeah what was just like what was just your whole experience like of, of London 2012? Like you said there, like obviously we had so many good performances earlier on, but like just just in general, like, like you know, talk, talk us through it, like you just your experience. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I remember Christina Hurigru was brought in to the holding camp to give us a little talk uh, just before we flew into London. And I remember she gave us a piece of advice that I think I've already said it in this at the beginning, actually, it is just it's different for everybody don't listen like everyone's going to tell you what the olympics is like everyone's going to tell you about their experience and and prepare for this but she's like they're all so different it's different for everyone so go in with no expectations and you and you won't be thrown off it was kind of that situation if i kind of tried to have an open mind to everything to never be thrown off so like for me it was just fun you know you just try to take it like that so everything that came to you you were just like wow wow like yeah like this canteen like wow there's so much food like you know like it was all just so i remember it yeah like you just it's just it's just yeah it was just everything just kind of almost blew you in a good way like it was just everything was just such a good experience great fun like i don't know we we lived through such a great thing through that like whole couple of months you know it was a great feeling it was a great energy and I felt like we put a really good games on. So, you know, it was good to be part of. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing thing to see and to to um to feel like out there. I think like the energy for the Olympics and the Paralympics of such a positive, nice feeling that you kind of like you couldn't help but like I don't know, feel a bit of pride in your chest, you know? We just saying good. Yeah, for sure. Um, Kind of hope that it carries on. I don't. I don't know if Rio kind of had that same feeling. Uh, hopefully, Tokyo kind of, if it does happen, will bring something back. Yeah, absolutely. I think. I think. On a, I don't know what it, was, what it was like for you guys, but definitely from a Paralympics perspective, you know, Rio felt like a bit of a backstep to a point. You know, I think in oh, certain areas, in other areas, <laughs> obviously, I guess it was a positive. You know, when people heard about how good the Paralympics was, when actually they saw it, they didn't, obviously no one was advertising the Paralympics. So when they actually got to see it, they all turned up and there was record sales, obviously, in the in the Olympic Park and stuff. So, yeah, but obviously it didn't start off so well for us. But, yeah, because the Olympics, oh, the, the Olympics was, was rubbish. But anyway, yeah. that's about that. <laughs> You're saying, well, yeah, that's it. Uh, I, I'm just it was a drip. It was a, it was a, it was like a, a grey day in, I don't know, I don't want to say anywhere negative because then I lose one of our followers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it, it wasn't, it was a damp squib of a games, unfortunately. And um, yeah, it was, but I think it's what, like you said, you kind of what you made of it. Like as Christine kind of made you encourage you guys to think, it was like you got to take on at the end of the day you just got to go there and take it where you can out of it and obviously you came away with another gold medal from well two two par- double paralympic champion dan you've got how many bloody medals from the paralympics um just the one gold yeah, but how many medals you got a five <laughs> 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 oh, that's the way you say it oh, yeah, just five. Oh, oh those things yeah, yeah, yeah five of them yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, I'd, it's weird. I had a con- I forgot who I had a conversation with recently, and I'd probably chop a couple in to not have had my hernia before London, and I've given it a proper good shot, mm. trying to get the gold, and I'd probably chop chop a couple in just to yeah. have that upgrade the silver into to gold. Um, probably yeah, take out a couple of Olymp- uh, Paralympic cycles to try and. But it's just one of those things, isn't it? it you know, it's, it's, yeah, you have, it's, like it's, looking it's, back on everything, it happens for a reason, and they're, you know, each one of them have their own little story to tell, which I think is just fantastic. It's that athlete mentality, though, and I think like I don't know, like I remember, you know, James Harper, like obviously agent, he said that. I remember to me way back in the day, and I always try and remember it every now and again. It's like us as athletes, whenever you finish a competition you're always thinking about the next one yeah. you know you're never celebrating the fact that you've done something really cool and really good and it's that same thing like as an athlete right now like in that situation you're going to sit there and be like no I want the best and it's just like so in any situation you're never sitting there just being thankful that like you know he managed to get out there you know for a start make the team so I remember like that was my first goal when I was a kid it was like I just want to make the team like if I can make Rio I'd be so happy like that was all I wanted when I started the sport so yeah. like I was like me at school I was like I just don't want to get picked last <laughs> yeah exactly. football I don't want to be last I just want to be the the come on let's pick him <laughs> <laughs> that's what I guess that's what makes you an athlete though isn't it so yeah, always wanting to keep keep going do you, keep... do you celebrate your wins or do you like you said are you already do you live in the moment at all or are you someone who just like on to the next one uh yeah to be fair more for uh, I don't know I feel like I'm a bit better at celebrating them now well, I remember mm. we definitely celebrated London well, didn't we? We did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did that one well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think Rio was a bit different because I was like, it was, it was almost like we were told don't go into the city almost, obviously, in that situation. So like you kind of didn't always want to celebrate to a point or it wasn't made as, as open, obviously. Mm. And I, I guess it would never be like, you know, your own home city. It's not going to be the same, is it? But I do also remember celebrate in 2013 and I wasn't going to uh, to 2013 world championships because uh, the week after that we had like it was like that was the first anniversary games it was like a tribute thing after the championships um, and I remember being went to dinner with Steve Fudge and I'm, like you, all you guys had gone out like Dan you all the boys everyone had gone out and you were like texting me like oh go out and I was like oh I don't know if I should I've got a race next week <laughs> like, literally just like that's that mentality like you know but obviously ended up going and had a good night I remember yeah that was another that you was have to finish I think you have to finish the championships on a, on a night out like I feel like um yeah you everything's built towards it obviously like there's races afterwards and there's money to be made and all those kind of things but and if you're in great shape like yeah it's hard but sometimes it's it's just the release you need like have a couple of beers don't end up in dodgy areas of the town or yeah. <laughs> and you'll be all right like i think it's kind of necessary especially and those are the things like you stop. forget about when you retire those are the moments you'll probably remember the best like you'll enjoy those moments and go regale those stories of being in some nightclub uh on a bar somewhere you know like just I'm making stuff up. I don't have any stories about you, Johnny. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we did go out in Stellenbosch once, but I was yeah. very, very long time. Yeah. Very, I didn't know how young you were until like later on that year. Because like, yeah. you were quite mature. Like uh, you were quite um, 
Because that was 2012 year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I didn't realise how young you were until I probably until like the games. I was I like, think oh, I was 18. Yeah, that was yeah. 18. Because we yeah, um, that was room together, didn't we, mate, in that um, guest house? Yeah, we I got we got well, I got told off. I got taken off the relay team for going out there. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I, that's, that's the thing because I got really annoyed. I got really angry at that though. Because I remember, like, kicked off because obviously it was a, for the Paralympic guys. It was a dry camp. I don't know if you remember. Oh, was that. it? Yeah. So the Paralympic guys were not allowed to drink, even though the, every single Olympic guy. And I was sitting there going, "Are you joking? You've got like all these people going out every single Saturday night." Like, yeah, yeah. I remember Dan. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 not every Saturday night. That was my one night. <laughs> no, 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 it was. It was my one night because I remember I got in this shit with Dakin because I was meant to be going to Cape Town the next morning and I was meant to go pick up a car at eight o'clock, but. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in any state to be anywhere near a car, so uh, yeah, I did get in the shit with Deakin that night, but uh, that next day. But um, I saw no, Steve. I that made me feel better. If I saw Steve Lewis on a night out, that made me feel as yeah, an athlete fine, at the yeah. time. I was like, if Steve Lewis is doing this, the most regimented athlete I've ever seen in my life, like I could do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Craig Pickering was out, and at the time, Craig Pickering, I'd never seen him drink before, but I think I ended up carrying him home at some stage very early on. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I don't want to put him under the bus either. Um, you talked <laughs> no. about your agent briefly. Um, the and I want to know what do you think our sports need to do better at? Like, what does uh, Olympic and Paralympic sport need to do better? Like, you've been on the other side now and been in like primetime TV on the BBC, and you've seen how that's marketed and stuff. How how do you think athletics in general needs to do? Uh, what does it need to do to do better? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think. We just need to, for me, I've always, I just like watching athletics and other you guys just need to showcase it, right? Like, I think I've always been an advocate, yeah, like, you show people athletics, they love it, you know, it's just, it's just, they don't see it enough. So, you know, the, the street meets obviously are always something that were great fun. I'd love to see more stuff like that to a point, like just a little bit more thought, not crazy, but every now and again, like a little outside the box thought process just for more of a, a different meet you know so obviously you see guys pole vaulting in in shopping malls in the usa you know mm. and stuff like that you know sometimes it can look really cool it just gets people's attention but you know for me i just think we need great big events you know i think you see the great diamond leagues and stuff uh across the across the globe and that's just i'd like to see that here and i think on the paralympic side of things it's the easiest thing in the world. It's, it's seriously not rocket science. It's just about putting events in, in events. And we did do it for a period of time. You know, I think through 2013, we had our best year. Um, we actually showcased events because people apparently wanted to see it. You know, that's what the, the mm. research came out after 20. Oh, people like Paralympic sport. Oh, my word. Like millions of people watch this. What the hell? Like we sold out stadiums, guys. You know what? Let's use this and put it into an event and help sell it. And then suddenly in 14, they were like, well, apparently enough. What was that? Like, and then 15, yeah. it's like, oh, like until it got to the point, you know, and then, and then you ask the people, it's like, well, what are you going to do? And it's just like, well, that's not my job. That's not my job to to go around there, and it's just like, well, so you're telling me that as I, I we've got to fight for it, then I have to sit there and try and call race agents and try and beg, on borrow and steal to try and get events in, mm. and then like get get actually it on the TV schedule too, because that was a big thing for Paralympic sport, you know, having events in. But I think yeah, it's it's not hard on the Paralympic side of things. You just need to be seen, right? And we're just not yeah. seen too often. And then I think, yeah, on the Olympic side, it's the same thing, just on a bigger, 
bigger a bigger statement like they just need to be seen you know i think that's the thing for athletics it just needs to be seen i think the viewing figures during uh the summer for the events where they were showing just the events there was no bs studio time or whatever it was just actually i shouldn't say that because i know you've done studio time <laughs> <laughs> you did it. did you do it for the world cup Sky. Uh, we did some. some I, I really like that. We did some trackside stuff. So like, we was did, that like, you and James Ellen? Uh, oh yeah, we did that. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, yeah. Wait. So yeah, he was in the. I think James Ellington was in the studio, and I was on okay. the track. So like, but I like we had like a screen, and after the event, the athletes like obviously me. I obviously I'm like, a geek. I love technique. So like that's what I loved. Like as you get them off, it was like right. What went wrong? What went right? Because we all know as athletes, like when you cross the line. The amount of times that you'll feel a mistake but you can't see it for like three days you know so mm. it's just like in that situation i, I really like that um and I like, the, like you say like the channel four at the world champs did it really well obviously you had you yourself and dave weir trackside giving like an up close personal perspective um and i think like to some extent where the bbc probably should should um, have followed suit is is to do that and to to like say rerun events not only on the TV, but trackside, so you can speak to the athletes or or at least get close to them, but like, look, this is what they did here, and then like show it, and you're right there, um, immersed in the in the action. Mm. And then not only the, the viewers gain from it, but then also, yeah, like you say, the athletes can actually go, oh, geez, my trail leg was really, really slow. <laughs> Which is how many times do the guys in the studio, that's what they're, they're talking about. They're sitting there debating about what somebody did right or wrong. Oh, I think that they made, might probably say that they made a mistake here. And it's like, you actually asked the athlete, he might be known that was actually game plan. That yeah. was what I was actually meant to do the whole time. And actually what I messed up was down here. And, you know, like you say, yeah, it's just the amount of times that you see events obviously going on in the background and it's just like, you want to see it. It's just like, let me see. I just want to see. The sport like i want to see people do do what they do i think that's what you're saying as well is about like getting the, the opportunity to compete and that's obviously what the british athletes commission is that what you're up to dan trying to get as much paralympic sport out there as possible how's that yeah. going i think yeah um it's going well um we try and push it all the time from every angle um but like you say it's um it's been on a constant spiral in the wrong direction if that's a good good term um we went from what in, like johnny said in 2013 we had a whole day at, on um, we had the olympic guys um on the, the anniversary games on the saturday and we had the sunday and you had 60,000 people there you look at a couple of years ago and you have five events and one of them was cut down to the field event was cut down to four athletes to make sure they could get it through quick enough yeah. <laughs> which just isn't good to expose um, Paralympic sport and all the rest were track events which were just like one after the other after the other after the other which is you can't moan and it's good exposure but is it good exposure when it's being dealt with that kind of um, emphasis and not telling a story or really showing the public true Paralympic sport by having multi-diverse events on and that's where we're hoping and trying to um, to push more and more with with British champs and Grand Prix and everything, it's all immersed and intertwined. There's no as in them. There's no Olympic and Para. It's just events. Yeah. And this is what you'll see. Here's a full list. Here's a full rundown of events. People will then obviously should understand and be well versed on T T44. I'm going to see Johnny Peacock in brackets. I know who he is. 64 then, now. They changed it. Oh, is it, oh, 64. <laughs> I mean, I can't keep up, and that's another thing we took. <laughs> 
Paralympic sport. It yeah. was swimmingly on the classification side, and then they changed. Oh, no, they changed it because they fixed it. That's a standard thing, isn't it? Well, don't worry. We we made it's like they brought that whole stuff out at the exact same point that they were being investigated for their classification. Oh, isn't that uh... funny? So suddenly I can turn around and say, "Don't worry, guys. The thing that you're having a go at us, we've already fixed it." Even though it's got absolutely nothing to do with that, I yeah. So, but God, yeah. Sorry, that we won't talk about that. Less about the negative. <laughs> Look, yeah. What's the who? Do you have any idols? Oh, um, David Beckham. Yeah, was always a big idol growing up. You know, I think. Okay. For me, mate, that was me, Johnny. <laughs> mate, I've been lucky enough. Yeah, really lucky enough to meet him <laughs> once when I was a very, very little kid. And then, yeah, managed to meet him again. Um, that was so surreal. Yeah, the second yeah. time. Like, he's so like, surreal. He's, cr- like, obviously, he's crazy famous, but he, like, yeah. it was about that time. That is unreal. Oh, like, so, yeah, the um, the first time I met him was when I was really a little kid. So then there's, like, a, a photo in the newspaper. So they kind of tried to recreate this later on uh, via, like, Sainsbury's. And he was a Sainsbury's ambassador at the time. Um and I remember we, it was for the UK school games and they had a, a circle of athletes. There's probably about 10, 15 athletes. And it was basically them just asking me and David Beckham questions. And I just remember sitting there being like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah, like literally like, yeah, I'm like in the chair and I'm just like one of them, like staring at David, what's your answer, David? Like, go on. And then like, I'm like, this is an experience for me guys. Like literally like, so it was great. They would ask a question and then like, they'd, they'd answer, like he'd answer and then they'd look at me like like I had to answer. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, yeah, just what he said. Same, yeah, literally, just what, what he said. Yeah. Like, Don't worry, my mate Dave's got it covered. It's fine. I remember Martin was there. Yeah, my best friend Martin as well. I turned around and obviously Martin, he's... Um, he's a. Uh, he's 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 always chat he's always like you turn around he's just chatting to somebody he's trying to like become the best mate and turn around yeah he's like chatting to david he's like oh yeah talking about motorbikes and all that so <laughs> it's a great day great it's day quite, it's quite crazy how you say david beckham like you're quite similar in your like perfectionist kind of thing. he's famously a perfectionist he was there after training doing his free kicks and whatever like he was saying is that is that something you got from him or is that just saying i guess sorry i'll come back to it again but is it do you think it's some having him as a role model is kind of like why you're that kind of guy? Uh, to be honest, that I think is more my stubbornness and like yeah. my mum would always say as a kid, like it was always more painful for me to like not be involved than to be involved. And it like so if I had a sore leg and it was sitting there, it's killing me. It's like I'd still run through the pain and just push through it just because I wanted to get out there and do it. Yeah. And it's just that same drive, really. It's just that same thing. It's just that same desire to just be i guess it is maybe yeah, just to, constantly trying to be normal i want to i want to run like 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 a normal guy and then it's like i always look at it and i go that doesn't look right so trying to make it make it look more like it i think I know, david beckham for me was just like i just just infatuated by everything he did you know he's just i just i don't know just want he made me like football he made me kind of like drew me into sport as a whole i guess yeah i kind of started to, to look at it um but I have to give it to, to Oscar as well. You know, when I started the sport, you know, I, I really looked up to Oscar, you know, and obviously he was, you know, he was massively close to you. And, and, and he was just, he was somebody that I looked at as, as, as the guy that, you know, to, to go and, I guess, try and emulate. Yeah. Yeah. You always spoke highly of you, but also like uh, you tell a nice story, I think in, is it Rising Phoenix? Um, about pre-race where like, 
you, he prayed for you and stuff to get in a race. That must have been like a, and I've had the same experience where before we race, he's like, "Can I say a prayer?" And it's like, "Did he? Yeah." Like, shit, I want to beat you. Yeah. It's so strange, right? Go away. I'm so glad. Like, it's the it was the strangest it was before 2012. Yeah, before the final, he came up to me and for for the first 10 seconds, I was like, "Is this a mind game?" I was like, "Is he getting <laughs> in my head?" I was like, is he trying to, like, somehow here, like, undercut me in some way, like, but straight after, like, 10 seconds, I'm like, no, nah, like, this is, he's genuine here, like, this is just, he's a, he, like, he, I remember he said, he went, he said a little prayer, he was like, this is your time, he was like, this is, this is your race, I remember he said that, he's like, this is your race, like, and he said it so, like, he was passing it on, he was like, I don't even care about this, because he'd obviously come off the Olympics, he'd had, that was his thing, you know, he'd already done something that was next level, you know, mm-hmm. So I felt like, it, you know, he was running on fumes by the time, the time he turned up to London anyway. So, you know, and obviously the 100 was never his strongest event. So I can always, uh, always remember having a chat with him uh, just like just before that night. Obviously, he was just in the warm-up track and he did, he said, I said to him, are you feeling good? Like, you ready to go? Because we went for a coffee like a couple of days before and stuff. And he said, and he's like, man, it's going to be tough today. Um, and he, obviously nodded towards Oliveira but and then he, the, but then he, he he said to me I, I don't know I've never mentioned this but that's just jump my memory um he said to me oh I think Johnny will do well I think Johnny will do well and then like and he was just like right I've got to go but um he I think he's one of the only athletes I've really ever kind of met that his greater interest in sport and other people alongside himself so he was he's like not the selfish man he would always put your, he'd always make you like the focal point rather than himself. And like, he was, he's just magical like in that, in that environment. It was crazy. And yeah, I don't know why I've never told you that, but it's just jogged my memory now. It's like, just have a moment and yeah. Kind Big of, picture guy. Yeah. What, um, what has uh, always, I've always been a fan of, you for is that you don't try to be the famous person you don't feel like so when bolt retired there everyone was trying to replace bolt when oscar was gone it was like oh we need to race and replace oscar you've never tried you just got on with your stuff and i love that i love that you just kind of like i'm I'm me i'm not going to try and be in everybody else i'm not trying to be famous i'm not trying to be um the face of this i'm just getting on with what i want to run quick (laughs) <laughs> and it, you kept on coming back to it and you kept on going about i want to be perfectionist i want to get better at what i do i want to i want to run like a, a an elite athlete rather than oh, i just want to be a face of the sport and coast a lot the <laughs> Oliveira thing of coasting you know i've made my name yeah i'll see you guys later yeah thanks thanks for thanks for the memories yeah uh i'll be on uh no yeah i think that is it like i i look at it as the athlete that's what i love that's that's mm. the stuff that i really love and to be completely honest like there's a there's some stuff that that i see more as my job and this is more okay. of my hobby it's like that's the stuff that i genuinely half the time don't necessarily i don't want to get out of bed for you know i don't want to get out of bed to go onto a tv show but i really want to get out of bed to turn up to the track okay like it's it's like i don't when i was a kid i don't know if this has anything to do with it but like when i was um probably i don't know eight or nine i had my benefits taken away from me because i was basically right. too able and it was the papers local papers everyone started taking it up and basically like um everyone was writing stories on it so we had journalists around the house i think this went on for maybe like a couple of weeks and there was just there was like 
people wanted to do photographs. I remember I said to my mum by the end of it, and I was like eight years old. I was like, "Mum, please make make." I said, "Make everyone go away." Like I said, "Can you make the paint like go away?" Because I mm. hated it. Like, I just didn't want the attention. I didn't want the bother. I just wanted to get on with my life and be normal. And everyone was like, kind of being like, "Oh, aren't you great as being this disabled kid? Like, aren't you like?" Whereas I just wanted to get on and be a kid. Like I just wanted to, so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if somehow subconsciously that like that's made me almost because I, I it's weird like, I do I I love doing this like I have a weird relationship with my like I don't know, it's like media stuff because mm-hmm. like I always love finishing a day and I love being like, I feel like that was a great day I really enjoyed it I had so much fun but like before it I'm like oh, I just want to go training like if I'd much rather go training today like I really dread like I don't know if it's anxiety mixed in with other stuff but like I just almost don't yeah it's like it's like yeah but I know that it's like yes I'm also so lucky to be given like half the I know that so many of the stuff that I get given I'm so lucky and Mm. it's like I'll never get that opportunity again so I'm quite aware of that so you're trying to take everything like that that's the same thing with Strictly it's like how lucky you are just to get that opportunity so just take it like you you take it run with it and make it your own yeah do you do you ever get asked to go any other study shows like the jungle or anything like that (laughs) um yeah like well yeah we've been um i remember after 2012 my agent goes oh we've just had like the the jungle like they but she like it was my agent she's like don't do it she was like don't do it though like she told me not to do it you're too young like obviously just Mm. the start blah blah um and to be like i remember we had a meeting with them like three years ago and it was really close but I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I remember like, like I even got to the point. Yeah, like it was like, oh, what's the number? What's the number, Johnny, that you'll say yes to? I was like, okay, well here it is. And then like, <laughs> and then like, yeah, they were like, and then I was like, uh, they were like, okay then. And I was just like, oh shit, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, it's like you, you've actually you've called my bluff. Like I don't, I can't, I can't actually do this. Like, and I don't know. For me, like the the I, I can't ever see myself. I don't think going on the jungle just because I think the boredom for me scares me more than anything like I hate if sitting if you said to me go on it Johnny go sit in the living room don't do anything for an hour like I'd I don't know pull my hair out so like having to sit like 18 hours a day and just twiddle your thumbs and I feel like that would drive me insane more than anything so I don't think with you a couple of times as well I think they'll have a trouble getting you out of bed so <laughs> yeah exactly well my so, um in a hammock it'd be probably less comfortable yeah. than my hotel bed but you strike me as someone if you can get some cartilage in your knee you will do SAS who dares wins <laughs> no see that's too scary as well like <laughs> do you not think I don't go. that's that's the one thing I want to do yeah. is it yeah that does look that's the kind of thing right that I feel like if someone said to me I would pay to go and do that for a weekend. Yeah. Like, but also at the same time, so that I could tell the guy to fuck off halfway through when he gets a bit too much. You know, <laughs> and you're like, right, okay, now you can fuck off. Now I'm not doing that. <laughs> to me, like, okay, I've done. But if you said to me, right, you got to sit there for a week, right, and then you've got, we're going to talk to you, like, and you just, you, Dad, you, you've been around me at the track too. I, I can't bite my tongue. I'm not very good at biting my tongue. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not somebody who's very good at not saying well probably what they shouldn't say a lot of time as well so i feel like i'd, I'd be probably first kicked out as well yeah to back chat which, which sometimes in certain shows is a producer's dream but um... <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah yeah probably but oh, i don't know well, it's scary it's still scary isn't it 
Well, I think just one last thing. Obviously, conscious of time and that Liverpool are actually playing football this season. I know. Oh yeah, <laughs> I haven't looked yet. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. But how? How and why? How and why Liverpool? How uh, and why? Uh, only detected a slight scout accent once, but <laughs> I could do. I, I I can't do that now. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would. But no, so my mum's scouts. Uh, my mum, my mum, and her whole family's from Liverpool. Um, and yeah, she moved down when she was, I think, uh, well, I think probably like tw- uh, twenty, early twenties when she moved down. Um, but we used to go back, and, and my granddad used to play football. Uh, he played for like the B teams of like Everton, and the rumor was he played for Liverpool, but we never found out if he did. Um, but yeah, my mum basically is a big Liverpool fan. Uh, my dad was a big Arsenal fan. But dad didn't really like football too much. I remember watching the FA Cup final that they were in. Uh, I think they were 1-0 up at half-time. Uh, second half just started. I think they just scored a goal. And my dad's outside mowing the grass. <laughs> I remember shouting. I'm like, dad, they just scored. He's like, okay, yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, right, okay. And the other, the memory that I have for mum, and this will tell you why I'm a Liverpool fan, was Istanbul. You know, okay. so I remember watching that with my mum, Champions League final, obviously. And there's no way if you're sitting there potentially going to be a Liverpool fan, you can't watch that match and not. Mm. Right. So from that point onwards, yeah, I that had was, to. That was the greatest comeback I've ever witnessed. Yeah. Honestly. Stuck with them through the, through the badges too. Yeah, I've been a Liverpool fan for the whole time that everyone's been taunting us about no Premier League trophy. So <laughs> I'm not having that. I'm not having a bad years. You know I mean, oh, we're mid-table or we're in the top six every year. <laughs> you got to be a Villa fan and you get relegated. You got to be a Palace fan and have like the worst attacking football in the world. Yeah. Come on. That, you guys are all right though. You got obviously you got some good attacking football. That's it. Probably got better attacking football than us right now. To be no, fair. Well, <laughs> when you see the score of tonight, you'll be. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, on pause, Johnny, are you watching it? Huh? Have you got it on pause or have you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to try it well. I always try and watch them, but I I'm, I'm never very good at it. I'll, I'll see the result, yeah, somewhere, and or I'll just start fast oh, forwarding okay. it because, yeah, but yeah. Oh, well, oh. we're in football. I can't sit and watch for 90 minutes of football anymore. What? No. I had Sky Sports and well, the kids wouldn't let me watch it. But then like, I kind of I can't, got used to not watching it. And now, like, if I try and sit and watch a match, I'm like, like or maybe it's because I'm a Palace fan and we've played dreadful <laughs> football. But like, it's all right if you've got Super Grealish running around the pitch and doing bits. You need you need what, exciting football. You got yeah, but I mean, Zaha does bits, but he gets yeah. marked out of the game every week. So it's like, oh, what do you do? But anyway, less about them. Right. Oh, no. So, right. yeah, mate, thanks so much for coming on. It's been super insightful. And ah, yeah, good chat. Yeah, always, yeah. Johnny, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed listening to you talk about like um, your mindset and stuff. Like, it was that was pretty cool, man. <laughs> no, cheers. No, thanks for having me on. Like, it's good. It's good to chat. Yeah, it's just good. I, I yeah. Well, thank yeah, you very well, much again. No, and, cheers for having uh, me on. See you at the track, mate. Yeah. I hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy the rest of the match. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, I'm gonna go go now. So yeah, no, thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, and I'll see you guys. See you guys in a bit. So that was super insightful. I think like because we know Johnny so well and we've seen so much of him on TV and at the track and just personally, it was so good to get his insight into his mentality, what drives him, and 
he's just super positive, isn't he? Yeah, I think um, for me, like uh, I think just to see and speak to him about how he composes himself, how he prepares himself for championships, his relationship with his coach, um, he starts to see why he wins so many things. And uh, yeah, it's a nice thing to have. Like it's nice to be able to get to talk to him and uh, and. For a lot of athletes, Olympic and Paralympic athletes, it's just he's someone you can look up to, and he's still only 27 years old. You know, like he's still a young, <laughs> yeah, he's still a young pup, so he has a lot to offer. And uh, I really enjoyed, just like I suppose, getting to know him a bit more. But we uh, we thank you again for listening to our sports podcast. Please give us a, re- a review and uh, a like and share, and uh, subscribe to the podcast that you listen to iTunes Spotify you can find us that Grooves and Rooney Sports Podcast you can find us on uh, Twitter now as well can't we Dan oh yes yes that's breaking news because we've got the Instagram which is uh, at GRS Podcast and uh, now we have a fancy Twitter page as well don't worry we won't get a TikTok um, yeah yeah. The uh, you can follow us on Twitter at GRS Pod and um, we've got a wholesome four followers so far, but we'll be putting all this <laughs> content out there. Uh, please help us, help us grow. Some followers this weekend, and we'll be 100,000 by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Cheers for listening. See you next time.